This is I Am Robert A. Brown Ministries. The following is a recent Sunday morning message given by Pastor Robert Brown. Amen. We are going to be talking in our first scripture about a city called Ephesus. And Ephesus was in Asia Minor. Amen. In the New Testament times, we would know it as modern day Turkey. Amen. We talked about this a few weeks ago when we talked about the seven churches. Amen. That Jesus had John write to in the book of Revelations. Hallelujah. And as we look at the picture, we could see its position from Jerusalem. So uh, it is there in Asia Minor, that, that piece of land there, the biggest uh, um, wording there says Asia and Galatia, but Ephesus is in red. Amen. And this is courtesy of BibleScripture.net. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And we see Jerusalem is a big dot on the bottom right of the page there to give you a kind of understanding of where Paul ministered, amen, what were the major cities of the book of Acts and the New Testament, amen, hallelujah, and what is going on here. And what was happening, amen, hallelujah, as our scripture today will be Ephesians 2, 19 through 20, amen, I'm going to turn there in a second, but what was happening here uh, was that uh, Paul was ministering to a, uh, a, an emerging church, a maturing church, and giving them doctrine, amen, about uh, all that Christ accomplished for them at the cross, amen, which would include us too as believers, hallelujah, and what their standing was in Christ. In particular, amen, this being a multi-ethnic church, amen, combined of Gentiles or non-Jews or people like us and Jews, amen, he wanted to minister to them about uh, how God worked out that multi-ethnic um, demographic in the church, so to speak. Amen. And we are a multi-ethnic church here at the Living Waters Christian Center. Amen. We got people from the Caribbean. We have people from here. Amen. Hallelujah. People from down south. Amen. We are multi-ethnic. Amen. Although we may look the same. Hallelujah. Glory to God and what God is doing there. Amen. So next slide, please. We're going to our verse. Hallelujah. Ephesians 2 verses 19 through 20, I'm reading from the Amplified Version. And this is the Apostle Paul speaking as he writes to the church at Ephesus. And he says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens. He's talking to the Gentiles in this church. Outsiders without rights of citizenship. You know, there was a mystery, amen, that um, the, the Jews of the Old Testament, amen, believed they were the only people of God. And God had not revealed to them that he would uh, graft in uh, non-Jews or the Gentiles to be a part of his family. So here Paul is revealing the mystery and helping the demographics of the church to get along. He says, Out, you were outsiders without right to citizenships, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. He's speaking of the Jewish uh, um, members of the church there who the, the Jews or the Israelites always knew they were God's people. And our members of God's household. So we're fellows, you're fellow citizens with our Jewish believers and you are part of the household of God. Verse 20 says, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. We're going to deal with that later. With Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. You had Jewish and Gentile believers 
who Paul was saying, now you are one church under God. Built on the foundations of the apostles' teachings with Jesus as the chief cornerstone. There's a lot going on here. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Listen, as I mentioned before, we are obviously a multi-ethnic church. Amen. And let's not be, hallelujah, uh, let's not beat around the bush. There has been issues between people of different ethnicities. Even though you may be of the same color or have the same hue, Amen. There have been challenges. And let me just, you know, I just put it out there. Amen. There have been issues between African-Americans and people from West, the, the West Indies or people uh, and African-Americans and people from Africa. Hallelujah. Whatever it is, the, the ethnicities have not mixed. And this was what was happening here at the church at Ephesus. But he's saying we are one church. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's just one issue. But the larger issue, amen, look at America. Multi-ethnic country. Everyone has an opinion. Everyone has a take. Everyone has a solution for how the country should move forward. Amen. And during this age of information, and we have so much access to this opinion or that news feed or that news article or that blog post or that op-ed that we have information just coming at us, hallelujah. But here in the scriptures, amen, Paul is saying, despite what's going on between you Jews and Gentiles in the church, and to deal with us nowadays, despite what's going on with our multi-ethnic church or our multi-ethnic nation, amen, hallelujah, that we should be built on the foundation by the apostles with Jesus Christ as our chief corner stone everything we believe everything we think our worldview how we interact with others how we conduct our lives is built on the teachings of the apostles and most importantly on Jesus Christ our chief corner stone Believe me, you, there are thousands of churches across the country and millions across the world. But one of our challenges why we're not unified, because we're not all built on the foundation of the apostles' teachings, with Jesus as the chief cornerstone. Hallelujah. Next slide, please. Our message today is Jesus Christ, the rock of our salvation. Jesus Christ, the rock of our salvation. He's our stability. He's the most consistent thing in our lives, consistent person in our lives, I should say. Hallelujah. He's from which we should get our worldview, where our opinion should be formed from his teachings as given to the apostles. Hallelujah. He is... His teachings through the apostles should be how we interact with the world, how we conduct ourselves, how we, hallelujah, treat others. It's in Jesus. And we would be surprised that there are things in us that are not rooted in Christ. My God, hallelujah. Help me to pray, amen. Hallelujah. 
Father God, we come before you in the matchless name of Jesus. We are living in the 21st century as Christians, Lord God, modern day believers. And Father God, we need a word from you today, Lord God, to help us be pointed in the right direction, to help us know how to think, how to feel, how to act in the name of Jesus. Father God, this task you've given me today is far, far too great for me. You are the preacher. You are the teacher. Preach today. Teach today. Help your people today. Change minds. Bring us to a place of repentance, Lord God. Point us in a right path, Lord God. Enlighten our paths with your word today like never before. And we won't fail to give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor because you do all things well in Jesus' name. Now somebody say amen. 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 Should we bury our heads in the sand and turn off the news and not know what's going on in the world? No, that's not what Jesus is saying. Hallelujah. He's never told us to do that. Amen. Glory to God. But we are to be as wise as wolves and as gentle as lambs as we interact with the world. We are to know our God's point of view, amen, hallelujah, and conduct ourselves thereby, hallelujah, which is a challenge because if you have some long-held opinions or political beliefs or takes on life and they have been there for a long time, but yet now when you are presented with different information, amen, there could be a conflict inside of you to make you even question God question his morality, question his choices, question your Christianity. These are some times, y'all. These are some times we're living in, and there's some hotbed issues going on in the world. And they were going on during the time of the church at Ephesus as well. Amen. Hallelujah. Next slide, please. Let's do some definitions first. Amen. Let's look at this word foundation. Amen. It talked about the apostles being the foundation. Amen. This is a Greek word since we're in the New Testament portion of the Bible. It's a word, themi-eos, themi-el-eos, and it means of or for a foundation or belonging to the foundation, a foundation stone. Amen. So uh, their teachings are... of that which supports the church, movie, uh, church's point of view or worldview. Of the apostles as preachers of the salvation upon which foundation the Christian church has been built. So the Christian church has been built on the teachings of the apostles. This is what the church is built on their teachings and obviously they got their teachings from Jesus hallelujah glory to God let's look at a more traditional definition of foundation uh, from dictionary.com so a foundation is the basis or groundwork of anything it's the moral foundation of both society and religion I didn't make that up And I didn't have to look too hard to find this definition. The natural or prepared ground or base on which some structures rest. We rest morally and spiritually and theologically 
on the teachings of the apostles. These are the words of Paul, one of the apostles. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Morality, what is that? Our sense of right and wrong is built on the teachings of the apostles. Or at least it should be. My God. Like I told you before, many years ago when I got into the church, amen, my morality was not built on the teachings of the apostles, the word of God, the Bible. I made some exceptions for myself. I said, well, you know, Lord, I love you and everything, but you know, if I meet somebody I really like, I'm going to sleep with them. There was a part of me that had not yet embraced the teachings of the Bible and embrace it as truth. I thought I could make some exceptions. I thought that I had the right to do that. That's where my head was at. And I could justify my actions. Because I love, I, I love the person though, Lord. Now, as I told us over and over again, it's impossible to live the Christian life. Only Jesus can do it. And he does it through us by way of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So obviously... That which I'm teaching today, amen, when you find yourself in a position where your opinion, your morality, your thought, your point of view is contrary to the teaching of the apostles, then we bring it to God, ask for his help and his strength to help us to live in a way that is consistent with the teaching of the apostles, amen? So this is not a demand from you, hallelujah, it's a pointing us to the standard and then also pointing us to the supply which is in Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Next slide please. Hallelujah. Now chief cornerstone, the only true Greek word there is corner. Alright. Chief and stone were added by the English translators. Alright. So this word corner, amen, in the Greek is akrak or niaios. And it means at the extreme angle or corner. In the corner of a building, a cornerstone. It's used of Christ, obviously. For as the cornerstone holds together two walls, so Christ joins together as Christians into one body dedicated to God, those who were formerly Jews and Gentiles. So in other words, Jesus was the rock or the cornerstone that held together the church, particularly the church at Ephesus that had a mixture of Jew and Gentile. And if we are to find true unity as a church and true unity as a nation, amen, it has to be built on Christ. Otherwise, everybody's got their own agenda. Everybody has their own point of view. Everybody wants to go in their own direction. It's built on Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Those who were, okay, I read that already. As cornerstones contribute to sustain the edifice or the building, but nevertheless some fall, into in, some fall in going around the corner carelessly. Some are built up by the aid of Christ, while others stumbling at Christ perish. All right? Hallelujah. So in other words, amen, during this time, there were some that so looked to Christ as that cornerstone, as that thing to be built on, that person to be built on, uh, hallelujah, and others stumbled at it. 
Amen. The Jews stumbled a lot. Amen. When it came to Christ being the solution for sin. They also stumbled when it came to them being one as the church with the Gentiles. And we have a race problem in this country. And oftentimes the race problem is coming from the church. And it's because we are not building our worldview on Christ. My God. Hallelujah. Next slide, please. Point number one. As chief ministers of the gospel message after Christ's ascension to heaven, the teachings of the apostles laid the groundwork for the theological and moral worldview for the church and society. But brother pastor, why are you saying society? Within the very constitution of this nation, it says, uh, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Now, although they're not quoting, Thomas Jefferson and the boys are not quoting from the Bible, they are deriving this statement, amen, from a biblical point of view. They are drawing the morality based on things that are contained in the Bible. All right. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So all morality is based, all true morality is based in God. All right. Jesus Christ with his, with his life, death, burial, appearances, and ascension and teachings is the key foundation stone that holds the church and moral society together. Saints, when we are raptured, amen, the world's going to go into chaos. There will be no morality left. There's a little string of it now, but there'll be none left when the church is gone, when the Holy Spirit is no longer on the earth. There'll be none and it has a name for that time. It's called the tribulation. My God. Next slide, please. Saints, we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. But what is that all about? What does that mean? Next slide, please. We're going to go to 1 Peter 2 and 9. I'm reading for the New Living Translation. What's happening here is Peter is sharing a letter during a time when the church was under duress, the church is being persecuted. Amen. And, and I'm sorry to say, and people don't like to hear this on Sunday morning, but a part of the Christian walk, there is some persecution, there is some suffering. Especially now during a time where the world, the culture is starting to call things that are immoral, moral. And you may find yourself in a room or in the company of someone who is calling something immoral, moral, and there will be others who agree with that person, amen, and you may be the only person there, amen, to stand up with, for that which is right. Which puts us in tough situations. What if you're at your job and everybody, all your coworkers, people you eat with, people you work with, 365, people you've had over your house, start calling something immoral, start calling something moral that is immoral, and then the human nature response is to kind of join in with the crowd. Here, Peter is speaking to this church that's going through persecution and trials and trying to encourage them to 
uh, conduct themselves in a godly way during a difficult time in the world. Because at this time, the church was being persecuted. Let me say this. Why was the church persecuted? Under, at that time, the world around the Mediterranean, which I showed you in the picture earlier, was under the rule of the Roman Empire. In the Roman Empire, it was illegal to start a new religion without the approval of the emperor. Christianity was seen as an illegal religion within the Roman Empire, and thus its followers were persecuted. They accepted Judaism, because it had been there already, and their own paganistic religion, but Christianity was illegal. During this whole New Testament portion of the Bible that we've read for years and years and years, the saints lived during a time where to be a Christian was illegal. And this is why they were being persecuted. So with that understanding, let's read 1 Peter 2 and 9. He's trying to encourage the saints here. He says, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. Why are we a chosen people, a royal, uh, royal priesthood, a holy nation? Hallelujah. So we can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness or not knowing God into his wonderful light, into relationship with God through the person of Jesus Christ. So why are we a royal priesthood? A, uh, a royal priesthood, chosen people, a holy nation, so we can show others the goodness of God. I don't know about you, but as a human, amen, I want to fit in. I want to be liked. I want to be patted on the back. But that doesn't always fit into the situations I'm placed into. Sometimes people just won't like you because you are a Christian and it's just real. And sometimes there's the temptation to hide that you're a Christian and to act like everybody else because like me, you want to be liked. You want people to think well of you. You want to have things go smoothly at work. And I get it. I get it. I do get it. Next slide, please. Living godly lives among people who don't believe. Uh-oh. Living godly lives among people who don't believe. Saints, a lot of us are surrounded by unbelievers more than we are around saints. And sometimes we live in the same homes as these people. It just is what it is. Hallelujah. We're going to look at what Peter says to the saints here. Hallelujah. Next slide, please. We're coming out of 1 Peter 2 and 10. We're still in the Amplified Version. We're going to read the verse 12. It says, once you were not a people at all, so he's speaking to a Jewish group, I mean to, excuse me, to a Gentile group here. But now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That, that speaks to all of us because we are Gentiles. Beloved, I urge you 
as aliens and strangers in this world. So he's describing us. Peter is describing us. This is the, the Peter that was with Jesus. He's describing us as aliens and strangers in this world. To abstain from sensual urges. Uh-oh. So it means it has something to do with our will. Those dishonorable desires that wage war against our soul. There are some urges waging war against all of our souls, including me as pastor. There's some urges, there's some desires, amen, waging war against my soul. Why? Because I'm human like you are. Verse 12 says, keep your behavior excellent among the unsaved Gentiles. Conduct yourselves honorably with graciousness and integrity so that for whatever reason they may slander you as evildoers, yet by observing your good deeds, they may instead come to the glory, come to glorify God in the day of visitation when he looks upon them with mercy. In other words, he's challenging the believers of his day, despite the fact that their religion, Christianity, is illegal in the Roman Empire, hallelujah, to live with integrity, with character, amen, before the unsaved people before them. And unfortunately today, it is hard to distinguish the Christians from the people in the world. A lot of that has to do with we've not been taught right, we have not been, hallelujah, introduced to the doctrine of the apostles, hallelujah. We are more into this transactional Christianity, which I will deal with in the future, if, if God says the same, hallelujah, glory to God. And as I've mentioned over and over again, we need God's help to live this way before the world. We can't do it on our own. We're weak, he's strong. We have a fallen nature, he's holy. So we need his strength, amen. Hallelujah. Next slide. Though Christ is Lord, as Christians, we are instructed to honor those in authority in every human institution. Amen. Listen, you know, it could be said that we're Christians, we serve Christ, we don't have to listen to anybody. I, you know, I understand that mentality that many Christians have, but that's not the case. That's not what the Apostle Peter is teaching us here. That we could just do whatever we want to do and dishonor, amen, the, the president, the governor, whoever. Amen. Let's take a look at it. Next slide. We're coming on to 1 Peter. We're in the same, uh, 1 Peter, chapter, I mean, 1 Peter, chapter 2, verse 13. I'm still in Amplified Version. It says, submit yourselves to the authority of every human institution for the sake of the Lord to honor his name. Why are we doing it? To honor the name of the Lord. So, Young people, when you're in school, you got to honor the principal and the teachers. It may be hard for you, and that's when you ask Jesus for help. The Lord, help me. I don't respect this person. I need you to help me to conduct myself in a way that I represent you in class, in school. We as adults have to do the same thing. I may not, you know, you may not get along with your boss. You may not get along with your are superiors, amen, but help me to conduct myself in a way that I can honor them. I can only do it with your strength, Lord. I can't do it in my own strength. I can only do it in your strength. And it says, whether it is a king, now obviously we don't live in a society where there's kings anymore, as one in the position of power, or verse 14, or to the governors as sent by him to bring punishment to those who do wrong, 
and to praise and encourage those who do right. Verse 15, for it is the will of God that by doing right, you may silence, muzzle, gag the culpable, ignorant, and irresponsible criticisms of foolish people. So in other words, our example, us following those that are in charge. And I know a lot of pastors and preachers try to use this for the church, but this is talking about civil leaders and civil bosses and people in charge. That we as Christians, the Christian worldview, the Christian point of view, built on the uh, teachings of the apostle, in this case, Peter, is to honor those that are in charge. Whether I agreed with them or not, whether I voted for them or not. I have to honor them. I have to have a certain level of respect for the office, even if the person is not acting in a way that deserves respect. And that is certainly the case many times. All right? You know, there is a uh, culture of gossip against the boss in the world. And I'll be quite frank with you. I've, in the past, I've gotten caught up in it. Whispering about the boss, talking about the boss. But that didn't, I was not honoring God in those instances. I, I, and where I was weak, I, sh I, I should have called on the Lord to help me navigate those situations. My God. Next slide, next verse, verse 16. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover or a pretext for evil. But use it and live as bondservants of God. I know we don't like that word, especially as people of color. Show respect for all people. Treat them honorably. Show respect for all people. Treat them honorably. Now, whether I agree with you or not, whether I agree with your lifestyle choice or not, whether I agree with your opinion or not, your political points of view or not, I have to treat you as a Christian, hallelujah, living and acting on the foundation of the apostles where Jesus is the chief cornerstone. I got to treat everybody with respect and love. These are not the thoughts of Robert Brown. These are the words of Peter who walked with Christ, who slept with Christ, who, not in that way, but who was around Christ, ate with Christ. Excuse my misspoken statement there. Who was around Christ, who lived with Christ and around him and served underneath him for three years. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God and honor the king. Now obviously, we don't live in a society with king, but honor those that are in charge. The president, the governor. Nassau County uh, executive, the sub-county executive, town of Bob Babylon supervisor. Wherever you live in your municipality, this is what we are taught to do as Christians. My God. Next slide, please. Christ is our example. We're going to go further with Peter. Amen. We're going to drop down to verse 21 in that same chapter. Next slide, please. Verse, chapter 2, verse 21 reads, an amplified version, for as believers you have been called for this purpose, purpose of what I just talked about. Since Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example, 
so that you may follow in his footsteps, so that you may follow in his footsteps, so that you may follow in his footsteps. Talking to the church. He committed no sin, nor was deceit ever found in his mouth. While being reviled and insulted, he did not revile or insult in return. So in other words, when people uh, treated him bad, he did not, hallelujah, overcome evil with evil. He overcame evil with good. While suffering, he made no threats of vengeance. Oh, God, that's hard for us. We need Jesus' help for, with that. But kept entrusting himself to him who judges fairly or to Father God. 24. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross, willingly offering himself on it as on an altar of sacrifice so that we might die to sin, becoming immune from the penalty and power of sin and live for righteousness. For by his wounds, you who, who believe have been healed. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So here the teachings of the apostles, amen, is that we must follow the example of Christ. That when we go through things or people mistreat us, we can't act in vengeance against them. Oh, that's hard. Oh, that's tough. And that could be in your marriage. That could be in your family. Certainly on your job. Certainly around the people that you are with every day. I often feel the urge to exact revenge when I've been mistreated. Matter of fact, it's human nature. And it takes all the God in me not to act on it. In the past, I've acted on it. And you never quite get satisfaction out of it, especially with the Holy Spirit living in me. When I've exacted revenge, I never felt a peace afterwards. I never felt a sense of well-being afterwards. What I often felt was a sense of regret. And that was the Holy Spirit's way of telling me, vengeance is mine saith the Lord. Amen. These are some tough things I'm sharing with you today. I'm not, I, 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 I'm, I'm not um, ignorant of that fact. I understand. I get it. Amen. But our Lord and Savior is soon to return and we want to see as many people get saved. Amen. Before his return as possible. Amen. And our job is to let our light so shine before men that he may see your good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. Amen. Hallelujah. There are some people who just will not choose God. They know God is real. They know Jesus is real. They know Jesus died for their sins. And they prefer to continue to be the God of their own lives. Amen. And will just reject him. There are people like that. But there are a vast number of people who are not like that. Amen. And can be impacted by the light of the Lord's gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Which is reflected off of our lives. Amen. All right. Next slide, please. Be not conformed to this world. As I mentioned in the last couple of weeks, amen, if we are not mindful, there are opinions, there's subjective morality, there are political points of view, there are cultural points of view that can be in us and operate through us, and we will be conformed to this world without even knowing it. 
So, for example, if something I've said over the last couple of weeks has really got you and gotten your craw, gotten your gut, and you were mad at me when you left church, amen, that's something to examine and bring before the Lord. Being mad at me, you're wasting your time. Hallelujah. These are not my words, they're his words. All right. I want to be light. I want every, every day people leave here, Pastor, what a great message and all that. Hallelujah. That's not how he's leading me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We are confronted by some heavy issues today. And more immorality is becoming the standard of the day from the government all the way down to day-to-day -day society. What is an example of that? Amen. Hallelujah. People are acting like January 6th did not happen from the government and it's filtering all the way down. What was January 6th when the Capitol was attacked by a group of individuals? They're acting like it didn't happen. And if I'm going to be real honest with you, there were probably some so-called Christians amongst that group. They were not listening to Peter. Be not conformed to this world. Next slide, please. Romans 12 and 2. I'm reading from the New Living Translation here. Uh, this is Paul speaking to the church at Rome. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world. I know there's a big move to be relative and to win the world by looking like the world. And do things like the world. I remember going to a... Uh, gospel concert at Great Adventures and I saw and I was I saw more pelvic thrust during the concert than I would see at a secular show. Because these individuals believe that I got to become like the world in order to win the world to Christ. They were just up there pelvic thrusting. I'm like, is this a gospel concert? What is happening? I said, I feel uncomfortable with this. It's like my God. And not that I'm a holy roller, but it's just, you know, the Holy Spirit in me just felt like, why are we doing pelvis thrust on the stage during a, a, a gospel concert? Oh, my God. So don't copy the behavior and customs of the world. Oh, y'all not going to like me for this next one. There are some forms of dress and some dances that are sexual in nature. You all know the story of uh, J John the Baptist and Herodias and Philip who had taken his, his, uh, his, his brother's wife. And Herodias had her daughter dance for Philip. Why Philip and the men that were with him enjoyed her dance? Because she was dancing in a sexual manner. Why we watch these music videos and things like that is because they are presenting to us a sexual image. As I've said over and over again, sex is good. God made it. It is good, but the world has perverted it. It has used it to sell things. 
It has used it, it's in a lot of our commercials, it has used it to promote movies. You know, movies that don't show women's breasts and behinds don't do as well as movies that do show them. And that's just a statistical fact. Our fashion, amen, much, it, it promotes the showing of the boobs in the backside or, or, or the men's six packs and all these other things, amen. And all these things are good in and of themselves. God made it, amen, but when it has been perverted and used to sell things or to promote things or to manipulate people, it is evil. My God. Hallelujah. So do not copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That's called repentance. We've talked about this over and over again. Repentance is not about coming up here in front of the pulpit and crying and saying you won't do something again. And then as soon as we leave, we'll do it again. Repentance is a change in the way we think. Amen. And I have been challenged by all these things I'm talking to you today. Amen. I'm not above you. I'm not higher than you, amen, hallelujah. I'm a human just like you, amen, and God's dealt with me, amen, and I'm sharing this with you, hallelujah. Glory to God. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect, amen. Hallelujah. God, tell me the things in me that are mimicking the world and don't represent you. Help me, God. Help me. Hallelujah. This is not being about a holy roller or holier than thou, because uh, none of us are holier than thou. Amen. It's about lining our lives up with him. Amen. Which will bring, hallelujah, uh, an attitude, a conduct, amen, that is good, pleasing, and perfect. Amen. Glory to God. Next slide, please. Got to deal with something real tough now. Oh, that wasn't tough what you deal, dealt with already? Ah, it's going to get a little bit tougher. Amen. If we suffer with him, we will reign with him. In our transactional Christianity that we practice here in America, where God's a genie and gives us everything we want, and it will never go through anything, which is not reflected in the Bible, let's think about this. Even though Joseph was the second most powerful man in the world when he was made prime minister of Egypt in the book of Genesis, Joseph went through suffering from the age of 17 to 30. 13 years of suffering. He was a slave. He was accused of attempted rape. And he was placed in prison for a number of years. I'm sure he was dirty. He was suffering. I'm sure that prison had rats and mice and rodents and bugs. He went through some suffering. David from the age of 17 to 30, was on the run for his life. The king was trying to kill him. The king took away his wife and gave her to another man. These are all biblical heroes, but they went through some suffering, amen. Saints, we may not go through the same degree of suffering as they do, but a part of the Christian walk there will be some suffering. I can't, I can't not tell you that. It is what it is. I told you a few weeks ago, hallelujah, you looking at me now, amen, is, is more of an illusion. There's some suffering I have gone through for years, particularly financially, for the cause of Christ. 
Why? Because I won't do things that take advantage of other people. We could have pastoral, sun, pastoral Sunday, amen, where everybody brings a little gift for the pastor. It's one problem. It's illegal. Or if you're going to do it, it has to be counted as salary and not unregistered money that is going to the pastor off the books. If we suffer with him, we will reign with him. Next slide, please. I'm coming out of 2 Timothy 2. Verses 12 through 13, I'm reading the New Living Translation. Now, this is one of the toughest scriptures, especially if you're coming from a grace point of view to understand, but we're going to deal with it today. Amen? So it says, if we endure hardness, we will reign with him. Now, understand that Paul is teaching Timothy, I mean, teaching, um, yes, teaching Timothy here. Amen. This is a pastoral letter that Paul wrote to Timothy, amen, and helping him to learn how to be a pastor. In particular, Paul, uh, Timothy went on to be pastor of Ephesus, the very place we started. He says, if we endure hardness, we will reign with him. Life is challenging, y'all. Even being saved, life is challenging. Life is tough. But here we're being encouraged through what Paul wrote to Timothy and made, uh, made available to all of us as modern-day Christians, amen, that we are to endure hardships. If we do, we will reign with him. What do you mean reign with him? Reign with Christ. In the, uh, uh, um, in the future, amen, hallelujah, past the tribulation, amen, there will come a point where you and I will govern with Christ. Now, that may not be important to you, amen. You, if you if you like me, you got to get up and go to work tomorrow, amen. What does that have to do with right now, amen, hallelujah. But it, may have, it will deal with eternity. We are going to be reigning with Christ, governing with Christ, amen. There will be other human beings that are not like us that we will be governing with Christ with. Hallelujah. Here's the tough part. If we deny him... He will deny us. We're going to deal with that in a minute. What I thought, once saved, always saved. How does this mesh with that, brother pastor? Gotcha. All right, we're going to deal with it. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. <laughs> I love Jesus. I love Jesus. For he cannot deny who he is we're going to deal with all three there's three denies here amen let's deal with deny number one amen it is a greek word they're all the same word but they're used differently hallelujah it is a greek word called our neome and it's used of followers of jesus who for fear of death or persecution deny that jesus is their master and desert his cause it means to disown Let's read the second deny. It says, if we deny him, he will deny us. On the other hand of Jesus, denying that one is his follower. So what's happening with these first denies? Everyone that says they're Christian 
We don't know what's in their heart. Some people in the church for money. Some people in the church, amen, to get a wife or a husband. Some people think it's a social club. Some people think it's a fashion show. Some people want to be seen. Some people can't get a position or a title unless they come into the church. Everybody that says, Lord, Lord, is not necessarily a Christian. And nothing like a little tribulation, a little pressure. You know, pre- they said pressure bus pipes. So what's really happening here, amen, is Paul is speaking about those who in their heart were never really for Christ. They had a form of godliness, but they denied the power thereof. So this is not for the true Christian. This is for that person, that individual who never really accepted Christ. And nothing like a little tribulation, amen, to reveal that. My God. Hallelujah. Jesus gave the parable of the, uh, the sower that sows the seed. There were all kind of soils, amen, but only the person who was sown into good soil, amen, kept the seed. Those other soils were like people who never really accepted Jesus into their heart. Amen? My God. You know, if, if, if you got saved and you act like the devil for 30 years, one could question whether you were really saved. If my li- and, and James said this. He said, faith without works is dead. So what is James really saying? There is an accountability between us and God, but there's also an accountability between human to human. As pastor, I just can't act any kind of way because I'm accountable to you. If I blow it, it affects your lives. If I become reckless, it impacts your lives. If I justify a sinful act, it will send you into confusion possibly, definitely frustration and anger, amen, and impact your lives, bring a negative sign on Christ and the church, amen, and put us in jeopardy. During the course of my life, I've gotten calls about other Christians from unsaved folks who didn't understand why they were acting the way they were. And then I'm in the position where I've got to be honest, but then support my friend or person I know, and it's a hard situation. So here, Paul is telling Timothy, amen, hallelujah. He said, if we deny him, he will deny us, amen. And, he, and Jesus said in his own words in Matthew 10, 33, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my father. So this is speaking to people that never truly were saved. My God, because we can't lose our salvation. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. What's this last deny? He says, if you are unfaithful, he remains faithful. So now this is to the true Christian. Amen. A lot of times we can be low in our faith, but God is so good. He remains faithful to us. Hallelujah. 
Glory to God. When we have our valleys and we go through our stuff, amen, and we don't feel like reading our Bibles, we don't feel like coming to church, and we don't really feel like being a Christian that day, amen, glory to God, hallelujah. He remains faithful to us. As human beings, we kick curve to the curve relationships all the time. But hallelujah, God is faithful. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Why? For he cannot deny who he is. Amen. This last deny is to prove false to himself. Act entirely unlike himself as God. He is who he is and he can't stop being who he is because he's God. So even if we act a fool, amen, and we're true Christians and we're truly giving our heart to the Lord, amen, but we're in a valid place, he remains faithful. Somebody say hallelujah. The Holy Spirit will not leave us. Even though we take him into all kinds of sinful situations. My God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. But I must reiterate, amen, that there is some suffering as a Christian. It is what it is. Why is this suffering as a Christian? Why would God do that? Because thousands of years ago, man chose to live independent of God and caused the world to spiral out of control. We are living because of the consequences of subsequent choices by men for thousands of years, leading all the way back to Adam. We live in a fallen world. This is not heaven. Why are we going to suffer? We live in a broken, fallen, sin-soaked world. Everything from our government to our financial systems and now the sanctity of marriage has been broken. It's all broken. Our, the very money we all want and we all want it really has no worth other than the government saying it has worth. It's not backed by anything. It's not backed by gold. That, hap that stopped back in the 70s. It's really the thing we go and work 40 hours for is worth nothing. It's all broken. So why do we suffer? We live in a fallen world. Where's our hope? Our hope is in Jesus Christ. Young people, your hope's in Jesus Christ. Everything that shines is not gold. That's what the old folks used to say. It's in Jesus. Why do we shout, young people? Why do we dance? Why do we do all these things? Why are we happy? We, we, we know how ugly the world is. And this is our time to celebrate Jesus, amen, because he's the one, he's our reason for living. He gives us hope, he gives us joy, he gives us peace in the Holy Ghost. In the world, there's misery. In the world, there's suffering. In the world, amen, we got to deal with all kinds of things, amen, hallelujah. But we get a time on Sunday mornings to praise God, to celebrate him, to sing to, at the top of our voices, to say hallelujah or praise be unto God, hallelujah, because we understand, amen, this life's not easy, hallelujah. 
Glory to God. But if we suffer for him, if we continue to live our lives and follow the, uh, 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 the precepts, amen, and the teachings of the apostles, amen, glory to God, hallelujah, we will reign with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let me begin to end this. Hallelujah. Next slide. Rock of our salvation. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Next slide after that. We're going to Psalm 18.1. This is David after he went through those 13 years of suffering and going through. Amen. We know that David became the greatest king Israel ever had. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And this is David's response to God after being chased down for 13 years by Saul. Amen. Losing his wife, living in a cave. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The caves of Adullam. Hallelujah. He says, I love you fervently and devotedly. I'm reading from the Amplified Version. Oh, Lord, my strength. Speaking to Jesus. Oh, Lord, the Lord is my rock, my fortress and the one who rescues me. My God, my rock and strength in whom I trust and take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower, my stronghold. Hallelujah. Young people in particular. Amen. Hallelujah. Your strength. Amen. Your stronghold. The one you look to should be Jesus. I want to encourage you now because when you become an adult, amen, hallelujah, I don't want you to have to find out later. Right now you're riding the tails, the coattails of your parents, amen, hallelujah, but there'll come a time where you have to stand on your own too with Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's look at some definitions real quick. I'm trying to go through them real quick. I want to pick out, I picked out nine key words, amen, from this verse, hallelujah particularly the King James Version of the verse, amen, rock, amen, hallelujah. I'm not going to read the Hebrew words. I just want to go real quick through it. Hallelujah. It's a crag or a steep or rugged cliff or rock face. Hallelujah. Uh, it's a simile for protecting care. So Jesus is our protecting care, amen. It's figurative of security, hallelujah. He's our security, hallelujah, in this evil, sin-soaked world. Our fortress, our ragged rock, now our stronghold. Now, I told you that David was hiding in the caves of Adullam. So this is where he would get this imagery and this thought of God from, that I'm hiding in a cave and I am comparing God's protection, amen, to how I was protected in these caves of Adullam from Saul. My God, hallelujah. Fortress, amen, hallelujah. A fastness or a secure refuge. God's our secure refuge, especially a place protected by natural features. Hallelujah, stronghold, a castle, a defense, a strong place. God is our strong place deliverer, amen. Despite what we go through, hallelujah, he allows us to escape. He carry away safe, causes us to escape, bring it to security, amen. He's our deliverer, amen, to escape or carry away safe cause to escape hallelujah strength hallelujah our rock our cliff hallelujah figurative of god as support and defense of his people amen so we're going through all this stuff and god's our support and our defense hallelujah glory to god not the pastor amen hallelujah but god hallelujah we trust him hallelujah to seek refuge to flee for protection figuratively to confide in hallelujah we should be confiding in god your prayer partner is wonderful but your prayer partner is not God. I am your pastor. I'll do what I can, but I'm not God. I we should confide in him. Much of Psalms is David pouring out amen to God, confiding in him. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Have hope to make refuge in him. Hallelujah. Buckler, not a word we use, amen, but a shield, a defense, ruler, a protector, amen. God's our protector, amen. 
horn, amen, is a figurative of a person, a symbol of strength, amen. It's really speaking of the horns that are on animals. The ancient people looked at the horns on animals as crowns, hallelujah, or a picture of strength, amen. Salvation, amen, is deliverance, rescue, safety, welfare, primarily physical rescue by God, often with added spiritual ideas, liberty, prosperity, and safety. God, in God is our success. Hallelujah. And lastly, tower, amen, is a secure height, retreat, stronghold, figurative of God as a refuge, amen. Basically here, God is uh, David is here saying that God is my all in all. He's my place of safety. He's my stronghold. He's my place of defense. He's my shield. Not my revenge. Not my mouth. Not my physical strength. But God. Not even my pastor. But God. Hallelujah. Real quickly, next slide. Hallelujah. And I'm not going to read the definition for this one, but it, hallelujah. This is Dave, uh, David again. He says, truly my soul waiteth upon God. For him cometh my salvation. He is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. In the midst of this fallen world, this sin-soaked world, who is your rock? Who is your stable one? Who can you confide in? Who can you look to? Who's your supporter? It's Jesus. People on the job might not like you when you have your point of view, your, your godly point of view. You might not even get invited to that party when you have your apostle taught God of you, a point of view. People are gonna call you names. Talk about you. But you got Jesus and they don't. Saints, there's a point that we all must come to that you go to work, you are filled up already. You know that God lives on the inside of you. And if everyone in the room is acting a fool or don't believe in God or have their subjective opinions or even challenge you about God, that there's enough God-derived strength in you that you could be the leader and the light and the representative of God without support from any human individual. We've got to, you know, we got to be to the point where we don't, need support other than who God sends it to us. Certainly, I'm at a place where God's teaching me that if I go into a room and no one else supports me, I'm still strong in him. That we don't get reduced to tears and panicking and wanting to quit, and I'm talking about myself here. <laughs> Y'all heard my testimony the last couple weeks. That it's me and him. While at the same time loving people, treating them with respect and honor, even if I have a different point of view than they do, even if I'm not supported, because my strength comes from him. He is my rock.
not my friends, not my coworkers, not my pastor, him. That's heavy. I'm in the midst of it. Let me read this conclusion and I have a quick testimony and we're done. I know I'm long. Conclusion, as modern day Christians living for Christ has many challenges. Facing a world with opposing views, we are charged by the apostles' teachings to think and live as Christ did in a holy and loving manner. While this way of life can be unpopular or even dangerous, we are encouraged by the apostle Paul that if we suffer with him, we will also reign with him. Even with all that David endured, he wrote, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? We know that's Psalm 27 and 1. Be encouraged, saints. The Lord is our protector and supporter who provides for our overall well-being in the midst of a broken world. He is the rock of our salvation. Real quick, I had a challenge this week, amen. I was emailed something, amen, and something that I was asked to do that I had never done before. And it was something that impacts the students I serve and parent involvement. And I had never been trained in it, never been taught it. And I got the email at the end of the day, which is really when you're, you're ready to kind of key down and ready to go home and pack up and all that. So I was mad from the way home Monday. I was mad and stressed out on Tuesday. I was mad and stressed out on Wednesday. Had to conduct the funeral Wednesday night. Did not know where I was going to turn. Because this was legal, what I had to do. It was no joke. It was no game. This had consequences. Stressed out. My poor wife wanted to spend time with me. I'm stressed out. I had to actually tell her, I have nothing to give you right now. Does that sound selfish to you? I'm, I'm, I'm giving you real stuff. This had legal consequences. On my way to work, I said, don't turn on the radio. Don't turn on the music. He wanted to speak to me. He gave me some instructions. He asked me to go to an individual that I work with. The individual took the time and showed me a few pointers. But still, this individual didn't have all the answers as well. Over the course of time, I came home. I, did share, I shared some things with my mother, and she had some experience in this area. I didn't give her any details about any individuals that I serve, but she could give me a general idea about things. Long story short, I went and I did what I had to do. I did the thing I had to do. And I saw the individual who emailed me in person and said, you know what, you did a great job. Thank you. All I could do was thank God. God did it. God gets the glory. God was my rock. It's a couple lessons from there. Hallelujah. Leaning on him. There are going to be things that God allows you to get into that are beyond you. You don't need a miracle until you need a miracle. 
You don't need a breakthrough till you need a breakthrough. There's going to be something wrong first. And then God shows up to solve it. It's not going to feel good. But I am a witness that he will come through every time. I was ready to fight this dude. That wasn't God's answer. I was going to sling him around and do all kind of stuff in my mind. Because I don't want to go to jail. I don't want to misrepresent all of you. There is no greater influence than God. The man said, thank you. It looks good. He's our rock. He's our rock. Lesson number two, my wife was coming to me. Nothing wrong with her coming to me. She wants to spend time with her husband. I'm not her rock. I had nothing to give her. I'm the pastor of the church. I have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of me. At that moment, I had nothing to give her. I did go back and apologize to her, but I still didn't have anything to give her. Saints, your husband's not your rock. Your wife's not your rock. It's him. It's him. Because I had nothing to give her. I was dealing with this thing. But God's our rock. Amen? We live in a fallen world. But where do we turn to? Jesus Christ, the rock of our salvation. I'm done. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I apologize for the length of time. That was long. Amen. Real quickly, amen. You need a rock in your life. You need some stability. You need someone to look to. You need a person to form your opinions around. You need someone to help you with your worldview. You need someone to depend on in troubled times. You don't understand what's going on in the world. You are confused. You are frustrated every day. You feel like pulling out your hair if you have hair, unlike me. Amen. You feel like screaming at the top of your lungs because life is so difficult. Amen. This is your invitation to become a part of the family of God. If you're saved already, amen, hallelujah, I'm going to pray for you as well. You're going through difficult times, but you never really made Jesus your rock. You have resulted to your own mechanisms or your own ways of doing things and never went to Christ. Let me pray for those who don't know him first. If that's you, say these words with me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Please forgive me of all my sins, transgressions, and iniquities. I believe that you died for me. I believe on the third day that you rose as the evidence that your death was payment for all of my sins, past, present, and future. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Now, if you said that prayer and you said it sincerely, and this word got into your heart, now say amen. Or so be it. If you said those words truly and sincerely and you meant them when you said it, you were saved and have an opportunity to confide in, to trust in, to be protected by, to be supported by the Lord Jesus Christ.
Welcome to the family of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Real quickly, I want to pray for those. You're saved already. All of us here and those of you online. Hallelujah. You are an individual that is saved and you are in this sin-soaked world, this ugly world, this unfair world, this racist world, this murderous world, this world that calls immoral things moral, this world where the financial, the governmental, and all systems have been corrupted by sin. And that is you. Let me pray for you right now. You have questions. You have no answers. Let me pray. Father God, I pray for those saved individuals, my brothers and sisters in the Lord. And Father God, as you have started us on the path of being instructed on how to navigate in this fallen world, Strengthen your people with might in their inner man. Inspire them to draw from you, to draw from your word. Inspire them, Lord God, to have a soft heart, Lord God, a, 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 a good soil heart, Lord God, to receive from you and empower them to trust you in a way that they have not yet trusted you. Father God, as you've given them to taste and see that you're good, Lord God. Father God, draw them in that they might have the full meal, that they might have the full experience in you. Help them to overcome challenging situations, people of opposing points of view, people who call immorality morality, difficult work situations, difficult bosses, difficult marriage situations, difficult family members. Hallelujah. Difficulty on the roads, difficulty in the stores, Lord God. Challenges, confusion, anger, frustration. Or even suicidal thoughts. We drive these things out in the name of Jesus. I declare success on your people, even in the midst of the storm, even with the challenges, even with the suffering, Lord God. Cause them to lean on you as their rock, to stand flat-footed on you as their rock, as their support, as their strong tower, as their defense. Draw them in, Lord God, as they've lost faith, you are faithful. And you can't deny who you are. Thank you for being faithful to we, your people, in the name of Jesus. Have your way in their lives. Give them joy unspeakable and full of glory. I speak it upon them right now in the name of Jesus. A peace that passes all understanding and a love unfeigned in Jesus' name. I declare it, I decree it. Let them experience the righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit like never before. We thank you today. We praise you, Lord, because you do all things well. Bless the Chance family. Strengthen them where they are. Strengthen all the individuals we prayed for earlier today as well in the name of Jesus. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. Be strengthened. Be strengthened. Be strengthened from him, from him, from him, from him, from him. If you feel like you're going to lose your mind, be strengthened from him. Somebody wants to scream at the top of their lungs, be strengthened 
from him. There comes a point where I can't even look towards family for support. I got to look to him. There's some things that your family can't solve for you. Only he can. Only he can. Real quickly, amen. Take me to the offering page. Hallelujah. Listen, it was a tough message, amen, but it's the one that God deemed that needed to be shared today, amen. Hallelujah. But if you want messages that are real, that you want the gospel message, you want things focused on Christ to continue, please, ma'am, please, sir, we need your financial support. Yes, it's not worth anything like I just shared with you, amen, but this is how this world system operates right now. If we want to continue to have service, we have to continue to use the finances that are given to us as support in order to continue for these services to happen, all right? So we need you. So please, ma'am, please, sir, sow into the good soil that's here at Living Waters Christian Center, amen. Make an investment, make a donation. If this is your church tithe, please, if it's not tithe to your church, amen. If you wanna give an offering, we will receive that, amen. Hallelujah. It's not for me to tell you how much to give. That's between you and God. Amen. But he that sows sparingly shall reap sparingly. He that sows bountifully shall reap bountifully. So if you sow a lot, if you invest a lot in us, amen, God will bless you with a lot. Amen. Hallelujah. Whatever that is. If you sow sparingly, amen, your blessing is sparingly. This is a, this is a farming reference. Amen. Uh, those that sow a little seed, get a little harvest. Those that sow a lot of seed, get a big harvest. Amen. So it follows those principles. Amen. Glory to God. So if that's you, amen. Hallelujah. Let me pray. Hallelujah. Father God, we thank you and praise you for the seed they're sowing. Amen. For the upkeep and expansion of your kingdom, Lord God. Bless them some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold return. That which they sow in the living waters Christian Center in Jesus' name. Amen. You can give in three different ways. I failed to mention that. Amen. You can get give at lwccgrace.org forward slash donations. It's on your screen right now. And you can mail in a donation to Living Waters Christian Center, P.O. Box 115, Amityville, New York, 11701. That's on your screen as well. And of course, we invite you to come join us here at the Living Waters Christian Center where we are conducting service in a safe manner, even though I know the CDC guidelines are changing. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We will adjust as we, hallelujah, gain wisdom from those that have the knowledge about those things. Amen. So, hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us today. I apologize for going long today. God bless you. We'll be back at 1130 next week. Enjoy your day and God bless. Amen. We love you. Amen. Thank you for joining us at I Am Robert A. Brown Ministries. We hope the message blessed you and unveiled the love of Christ to you in a greater way. God bless.